Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. to Ladies Who Law School podcast. I'm Haley. And I'm Sam. And this week's episode is sponsored by Barcast Audio. Barcast Audio now has a special 1L subscription service where you can get hundreds of case brief audio-like lessons, just like what you might have used in the past if you've used Barcast before. If not, this is a perfect chance to try it out, especially if you are a 1L. Just visit the link in our show notes and use code LADIES for your first month free. Definitely worth it, guys. You won't want to miss your first cold call, right? So, All right. We have a very special guest today. She is someone who knows so much about clinics, externships, finding a job after law school. She's like the legal fairy godmother, and she also works for Bryce Legal. They'll be in our show notes. You can check them out. They're legal career coaching. So let's dive in. Please welcome our guest, Ms. J.B. Tropp. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, So I uh, currently am Director of Career Services and I'm a Professor of Externships and Pro Bono Programs at Thomas Jefferson School of Law in San Diego. And I'm also a consultant for Bryce Legal. Um, Bryce Legal does everything from career counseling, writing resumes, writing cover letters, working on LinkedIn, helping with negotiations, um, really a full service, uh, full service organization for lawyers at every stage in their career, everything from uh, law student, well, actually people who are planning to go to law school, all the way to C-suite general counsel. Wow. So you work with a wide spectrum of people. Yes. Awesome. So let's go back and tell us where you went to law school and what that experience was like. So I went to Fordham University School of Law. I graduated back in 1992, a very long time ago. Um, and I really enjoyed law school. I found it to be incredibly interesting. Uh, I found myself inspired and fired up. Uh, most of the time, I mean, we all have our moments, right, in law school where we don't feel those things. Um, but I got seriously interested in public interest there and I ended up my first job out of law school working at the DA's office in Brooklyn. Um, Then through a series of moves, um, basically to support my husband, I was a public defender in Los Angeles. Then I worked for a large nonprofit in Ohio. Then we came to San Diego and I took a little time off having kids 
and then ended up working at a law school. So one of the things I encourage students and clients all the time is not to think of your career as a straight line and not to think that the first job you have out of law school is necessarily what you'll be doing 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years later. And I find that that gives people permission to take the leap of faith uh, when they're picking what that first job, you know, am I going to be an estate attorney? Am I going to work in corporate? Am I going to do family law? Am I going to do criminal law? I think there's a lot of trepidation that law students have uh, that as though they're going to make the wrong choice. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be happy. I'll, I'll work there for a year and I'll find I'm unhappy. And then I'm stuck for the next 35 years doing that. And um, yeah. I'm definitely constantly encouraging people not to feel that way. Um, one of the benefits of a law degree is it's a platform with which you can do all sorts of careers, both in law and outside of law. So could you tell us how you got your first job and how you made that decision? Sure. Um, I was like all law students, you know, frantically applying um, to all kinds of jobs. I absolutely knew I wanted to do criminal law, but I had done a similar position with um, the, in New York at the time, the Legal Aid Society was called the Public Defender. I did a summer position with them, but I applied to DA's offices. I applied to them. Um, I got plenty of rejections. Um, got plenty of interviews and was in the interview process um, at the Brooklyn DA where I ended up working. And actually my trial practice, my trial advocacy professor was the DA in Brooklyn. And um, he, he liked what he saw and they pushed me through the process and, and I got a job there. And I, I highlight that because I genuinely believe every kind of networking is so important Every time you meet someone, you know, presenting your best self, um, not being afraid to strike up the conversation, because uh, I think, you know, that leads to uh, really interesting opportunities and very often the promise of full-time work. So I'm a big believer in meeting as many people as, as you can. And even sometimes, I didn't do this specifically, but, you know, if they're pr- trial practice or the adjunct professor is doing something you like, um, definitely taking time after class to talk about how they got involved in it, what they suggest a new person who's interested in this field, how they go about it. Don't be shy to ask about an externship. Yeah. Uh, don't be shy to ask for two or three other names of people that are their colleagues. Don't be shy is <laughs> the takeaway. Yeah, I love that. So we brought you here today because as three L's, we are wondering what we should be doing to secure jobs. And we know so many other people, whether it be right now or in a few years, they're going to be in the same position. And we've seen some of our peers who came out of their 2L summer and got a job offer. And you know, we're not in that position. And so we want to know what you suggest um, to do and your tips going forward. And I think, I think the model of the second year summer associate guarantee, you know, that being a guarantee that that rolls into a job is, is very outdated. 
Um, the summer associate programs have gotten, they've shrunk over the years. And, um, you know, one of two things can happen. You might not enjoy your summer associate and be like, I'm not working there. Or they might say, you know, we're going to hire, we've got eight of you or 10 of you, and we're going to take two, um, which some, no one should ever feel badly about. Um, so what do you do if you're in that situation? Well, as we're heading into the second semester of your third year, um, networking, like I was mentioning before, getting yourself out there as often as possible. Um, but I think you should think about it in a couple of different ways. First, um, how do you present yourself? I think a lot of times law students, especially third years, are thinking, just hire me, I'll do anything. <laughs> you, know? you, you want someone to do bankruptcy, I'm your, your, your person. Yes. You want somebody to do criminal law, I'm the one, um, which really doesn't help anyone, including yourself. Um, now, having said that, I think you should pick, a student should pick their top three things that they would be interested in doing and, and building out a narrative for that. And when I say a narrative, it's important that a law student, a third year, someone new to the field, really figures out how to present themselves, really has a story to tell about themselves and about why bankruptcy is phenomenally interesting to them. And as I said, I think it's fine to have three things network with different people. Um, but that narrative that you, you kind of almost like studying for an exam, you, you think about, you maybe you rehearse, um, maybe you have a couple of different narratives, maybe you go to someone and say, hey, this is what I think I'm going to be saying and how I'm going to be putting my materials together. What do you think? You know, allowing for that input and not being rigid. And then, particularly with networking, I think sometimes third years are like, well, I don't know where to start. I didn't do any networking last year. I kept my head down, did my work, joined a few organizations. Maybe I was on a new court. Maybe I did a journal, but I haven't had time and I haven't paid any attention. So what do I do now? Um, I am a big believer in joining your bar association. And when, you know, so bar associations want members. And so you are a consumer. And so getting in touch with the bar association and saying, you know, I'm a 3L, I'm going to be joining. Um, what opportunities do you have for 3Ls? Are there mentoring programs? Can 3Ls attend the section meetings? Can 3Ls attend the, the mixers, which are now coming back online? Um, so I think not just reaching out and joining and then not doing anything about it, but becoming involved. Uh, a little side note on that, I've had students and clients over the years uh, who joined the softball team and got a job because they were on the softball team because the attorney that you know ran the team just thought that person was the best, had the best attitude, was always willing to pitch in. Maybe they became the scorekeeper. So um, that doesn't happen all the time, but I've also known students who did the literacy program. So diving in and getting involved, even if this doesn't feel specifically legal, is going to have give you opportunities to meet people um, and meet them in, in a different way, not in a, oh, let me ask you five questions about yourself way, but in a more uh, casual setting. Now, don't stop with your bar association, um, the big one. Uh, any, you know, most cities at this point have, you know, a women's bar association. They have uh, bar associations to match 
people's ethnicity, um, people's race, and people's sexuality. And so joining one that kind of fits you, so not only now do you have the Bar Association, but you have this separate organization that's really there to promote you. You know, if you're Latino and you join the La Raza, they are going to promote you with other Latinos and Chicanos in your area. Um, That is one of their goals. Um, Another thing to do is to tap into those alums. Uh, Now, some law schools do have alum offices. Some don't. Every law school has a list. Um, And so as a third year, reaching out and saying, you know, to an alum, you know, you you practice in the area that I'm most interested in. Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can we meet over Zoom? Because I'm really interested in finding out the path you took. Yeah. Um, That's critical to networking. Uh, There's always this weird dynamic of feeling like, well, the person who you're you're connecting with is like, I don't have a job for them. And the student or new lawyer is thinking, well, I don't know what to say. So you take all the pressure off by saying, can we just talk about what you like about your practice, what you don't like about your practice? How does someone get involved in the practice? And I tell people never leave without two or three more names. So you say, this has been incredibly helpful. Can I, is, do you know anyone else I could talk to about this? Um, and almost always people will give them uh, one or two names of colleagues that they have. Uh, another thing to think about is going with prepared questions. Um, this is true for your professors too, right? It's very hard for someone if you go and say, well, I don't really know what I want to do, but I, I kind of want to do this. They'll say, I don't know how to help you. Um, now, lawyers love to talk. <laughs> they love to be asked about themselves. So your willingness to engage in that conversation. And definitely, you know, just like your grandmother said, follow up with a note or uh, I think email is okay. A lot of people say, oh, email's not okay. I think email's okay. Um, the one thing about email is if they're a busy attorney, you know, you were one of potentially 300 emails they got that day. So yeah. a note is more likely to catch their attention. Um, but if that is just like something that's going to, you know, well you up with anxiety and email is fine. So can you tell us a little bit about getting into certain types of you know, law careers, whether it be entertainment, government, you know, how do you figure out what, what you are interested in? Like you said, these three areas you want to go into, you know, what if we only have one that we're super interested in? How do we expand on that? How do you break in? Absolutely. So luckily we're in the fall and, and you all still have a semester to do an externship. Um, so, uh, if you're listening to this, please go to your externship director, tell them what you're interested in doing. And if you haven't done an externship or sort of a traditional legal job, you know, now, now is the time and it's not too late. Um, if your heart is set on something like entertainment and you live in what I would call maybe an entertainment desert, um, there isn't a lot of entertainment law happening in your area, which is most places, you know, unless you're in uh, New York or Southern California or Chicago, it's, it's hard. 
Um, so what I recommend people do is again, the networking piece, um, every law school does have alums who ended up working in entertainment, A, B, figure out what part of entertainment that you want to work in. Entertainment is an umbrella term. So, you know, you can work for Sony Pictures, um, but do their food service contracts. And that person will say, I work in entertainment. I work for Sony Pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something to really think about, you know, is it that, you know, you want to work for an entertainment company or you want to do entertainment law? Um, A lot of people want to do entertainment or sports because they kind of want to be part of um, the making of that, the glamour of that. They, they love movies. They love uh, sports teams and there's nothing wrong with that, but really think about what you do as their lawyers. Sometimes it's good um, not to dissuade anyone from their, their dream, but you know, sometimes it's good to pick a field that you also like where you'll make the money to, to, go to lots of plays and and movies and get season tickets. Um, But, you know, back to your point, I think it's important to think about, okay, if I, if I'm not living, if I'm living in an entertainment desert or a sports desert, start to figure out, and you can do this with professors, with alums, with your own reading, what is the skill set? And if I can't work in entertainment, you know, right now as an externship, What skills do I develop that will make me attractive when I go to Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, or when I'm talking to prospective employers? It is okay to, you know, work for a transactional law firm that writes contracts all day, because as I mentioned before, that's a big part of entertainment law. It's good if you have an ADR team and they do, um, an entertainment uh, competition or a sports competition, get get involved in that because very often the judges of that will be in the field that you're interested in and you'll have an opportunity to network with them. Definitely, if uh, most schools do teach entertainment law, I think at this point, track down that professor. Um, and Thomas Jefferson, uh, he's since left, but Um, We had a contracts professor who did entertainment law, who had, you know, had practiced entertainment law, especially in the music industry, and had lots and lots of connections. And you only found that out if you, you know, sort of snuck, you read his bio, and then went up to meet him. Um, And there are lots of people like that at your law school. More and more law professors uh, have careers before they enter academia, so they can be a really good resource as well. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frieda McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. 
The twists and turns and never lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. So what about if someone's interested in going into government jobs specifically, like how do you approach that? You know, do you just Mm -hmm. go down to the DA's office and you're like, hello, (laughs) can I work for you guys? You know? (laughs) Okay. Government jobs are so much easier to get than entertainment jobs. I'm glad you're asking me about that. Um, So, you know, the best news is that you have a semester to do an externship at a DA's office at the public defender with a criminal defense attorney, with the city attorney, with the attorney general of the state, with the county council. One of the things that happens, or one of the reasons it's more accessible to work for government is every city and state has a lot of government mm-hmm. and they're always taking students. They need, um, I hate saying free labor because you're getting units, but they need that, those people. Um, you know, they're always looking for, for smart students. And I think for, you know, if, if you don't, if you're not in the situation I was in where you happen to meet the DA, which is pretty unusual. Um, let's say you we didn't do uh, an externship there, you know, networking around that. But lots and lots of people get their job with the district attorney or the public defender or criminal defense attorney or any one of those other agencies I mentioned um, by interning there because then they can really see you in action. Um, a big part of getting a job that people take for granted is the social piece and not the social piece of let's go out and get a beer, but the social piece of, do I like working with this person? And and again, that's a two-way street, right? So bringing, you know, every day to that externship, you should be one of the first people who shows up that makes such a strong impression. You know, if everyone's getting there at nine, I want to see you there at, or nine, or I want to see you there at 840. Um, I want people to see you, you know, head down working when they come in. It's actually more important than staying late. Um, the, the impression that you make by being there a little early, hitting the ground running, saying good morning to everybody, um, that's actually the most lasting impression you can make that, you know, you're here and ready to go. Um, It's not government, but it's public interest. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, legal public interest organizations out there and public interest organizations that aren't necessarily legal based, but are always looking for lawyers. The Sierra Club hires lawyers. Um, Reproductive justice organizations hire lawyers. So, you know, unless you're very passionate about criminal law, really broadening your view um, 
And working for the government or in a public interest setting has a lot of benefits. Um, literally working for the government, you get so many terrific benefits, uh, you know, health insurance, lots of paid leave, um, you know, disability uh, insurance, um, people, there's a lot of mobility in those offices. So it, it really is a, a phenomenal job. And, you know, one of the things I say, if like, if you want to do civil litigation, why not do it for the county or the state? Um, you know, where you're not having, the one thing about working for the government or public interest is you don't have to go out and find the business. The business comes and finds you. <laughs> so that's something to think about. So it, it's really the same thing that networking, but if you're very interested in the government, again, it's the fall, get to that externship office and find out what the opportunities are. Um, for a lot of people who want to do uh, DA work and prosecuting work and, and didn't maybe even get into the DA for next semester, I recommend going to your city attorney that almost always does some type of criminal work and using that as a stepping stone. So we said networking. That's a big mm-hmm. thing that we need to be doing. Also, yeah. looking for ways to get involved in the community by working and, you know, kind of just exploring mm-hmm. different areas of law for the spring and getting as yeah. much experience as we can. And then I guess it goes to focusing on passing the bar for yes. the summer, right? Yes. So once that's over in July, what mm-hmm. do you recommend that? students who have just graduated, um, make sure that they're doing and be successful and ready to go when they get their results and just secure that job if they haven't already. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, and, and I wanted to mention, cause I haven't, one of the things that will set you apart is a terrific resume. Um, and a good cover letter. And the other thing I want to say is some places will ask for a writing sample. So third year is a great time to kind of cull through all the writing you've been doing (laughs) and find those five to seven pages that could be in a 20 page brief, but find those five to seven pages. Nobody wants to read more than that um, as a general rule uh, that really highlight you the best. Um, a lot of people make the mistake that they buy a resume book and their resume ends up looking like something that, you know, if you're going to be hired at a marketing firm, doesn't legal resumes are very specific. Okay. Having said that you've just sat for the bar, um, take a giant nap. Um, and when you, <laughs> when you up, wake up in five days, uh, look for a pro bono opportunity. Okay. Um, when you look for a pro bono opportunity is so all the, law firms in your town or your city will have pro bono projects. And it's absolutely fine for you to base some of your interest in that pro bono opportunity because you'll then get to meet a lot of attorneys to work for X firm. Um, So putting yourself out there that way. Uh, And again, sort of the same thing you do on an externship, right? You put your, your whole self in. Uh, every bar association has a young lawyers section, um, and that's a great place to start because that young lawyers section, first of all, you're kind of all there for each other. But more importantly, again, people who are senior in the bar and see you working hard are going to be very inclined 
to help you. Um, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of firms, especially smaller firms, will hire post-fire law clerks. And you may not make a lot of money, but it's really important. That's an important foot in the door. Um, sometimes you'll law clerk at a place that will never hire you because they're an eight-person firm and they're not, they don't want to be a nine-person firm. Yeah. But the connections you'll make and the ability for that or those partners to pick up the phone and say, you know, we can't hire Samantha, but you should hire Samantha. She's done just incredible work here. Um, one of the things I'm always telling students and clients is anytime someone hires you, um, they're taking money out of their pocket. Um, and so they have to see that you add value. And there are a couple of ways to demonstrate that you add value. One is the most difficult and the one that very few people bring to the table, but I always mention it, um, is a book of business. So in other words, you're going to bring clients to the firm. This does happen in the rare occasions when you have some connection to a business that believes in you and willing to change representation. So you're bringing that in. Some of that happens if... Um, especially through different kinds of organizations that have nothing to do with law, but people, uh, it happens sometimes in, in mosques and churches and synagogues where somebody's very interested in your success. So they'll say, you know, I own a small tire company and, and I like that firm that you're thinking about. Um, I've been thinking about them anyway. So, you know, why don't you bring them my business? But that's, that's you know, 2% or 1% or less. Yeah. What you do really to add value is, is you work someplace and you're able to take work off the plate of the senior person who has the ability to go out and find those new clients. Business. Yeah. So you become, um, for lack of a better expression, the worker bee. Yeah. And now instead of that person writing 20 motions a week, you are writing 15 of those motions. Yeah. And so now that person can go up, out and get more business. And that is true whether you work at a firm with 3,000 lawyers that's international or you work at a firm that has five lawyers or maybe two lawyers. Um, or maybe you're, it's a solo practitioner who realizes, hey, you know what, if I bring, you know, Mike on and I know Mike can do a lot of this work. Um, maybe it's time to grow from being a solo practice into a two-person firm. Absolutely. That's so true. Adding value gives me a lot to think about. What about you? Yeah. And I think that goes along with, you know, just knowing how much you're worth and all that kind of stuff. I feel like your value, right. When you're negotiating jobs, even like you need to know these things and, I, I like the way that you just gave everyone like pointers on how to, you know, figure out how to add value. Cause that's something I've struggled with, like figuring yeah, out, you know, absolutely. And just realizing too, that it's a business, a law firm's a business and absolutely, you have to come at it from that point mm -hmm. and they're thinking of it from that point and being respectful of that too. And even government agencies and nonprofits that you might work for, they have certain budgets yeah. and their budgets are never unlimited. So how do you add value? How do you set yourself apart from the 10 other people 
Um, and again, I think it's showing up early. I think it's working hard and not being able to, not being afraid to ask questions. A, a lot of times students will come to me and they'll say, you know, I feel like nobody knows me. Um, and I'll always say, well, how many how many questions do you ask? Oh, I don't want to ask questions. I don't want to disturb anybody. Well, then they don't know you. (laughs) Exactly. That's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went through exactly that in my internship where I was so afraid of asking questions because I also didn't want to seem like I didn't know things, you know, like, oh, I don't want to like pretend I don't know how to write this thing. I'll just figure it out. But asking questions are so important because it shows them that you're interested, number one, that you actually care about doing the work properly, if that's what you're asking a question about. I just feel like it shows them that you care, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the other thing is when you're going to ask those questions, craft them. You know, don't, if someone gives you an assignment that you don't really have a clue about, don't say, I really don't have a clue about this. Um, You can ask that mentor to more clearly define the project, or you can ask them, where do you recommend I start? Mm -hmm. Um, Don't go down research rabbit holes. Um, You know, I've known so many students over the years, oh my God, I've already spent eight hours researching this. I have no idea what I'm, where I should go. And I say, well, you just spent two, uh, you know, six hours too many. If, If you're not finding the research in those first two hours, or at least the inkling, you know, oh, this is where I'm heading. You go back to that mentor and you say, you know, I, I need to like better define what I should be looking for. Mm. Um, the other thing is new, uh, new lawyers and students aren't expected to know that much. Um, yeah. I think people feel that way. They feel like, oh, but I should totally be able to go in and do this. And um my first job at the DA's office, I worked in appeals. I wrote my first brief and I turned it into my editor. And when I got it back from my editor, it looked literally like something had died on it. There was so much red. There were whole pages, just big red line. And I was, I was, you know, I was 25. I was humiliated. I was like, how am I going to look him in the face? Like, he's going to, I'm going to get fired. And I remember going into his office and, and like almost starting to apologize. And he said, no, you can write. We need to teach you how to write the way we need you to write. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing to be really open to. There isn't one type of writing that you're going to do over and over again. And how you write a motion in a civil case versus a criminal case um, the language and the style your employer would like you to use might be very different. Um, I've known lots and lots of students in their first job or their externship uh, that will write with a ton of legalese. Mm-hmm. And the mentor will say, yeah, I don't like the big fancy words. <laughs> I want you to write this in, in plain English. I don't, I don't need you to cite eight cases. Two is yeah. plenty. So, you know, it's, it's important to take guidance from that, that mentor or that first employer about, about it. And it's respectful. How do you want me to present this work? What should this work look like? Great advice. Well, JB, can you let everyone know where they can find you if they want to chat with you more about all of your amazing knowledge (laughs) and tips. And I really wish that you were our externship or teacher (laughs) professor at our school, because you're just so full of so much knowledge. Yeah. Oh, 
Thank you. That's such a nice thing to say. Um, I've been at it a long time, but uh, please go to Bryce Legal. Um, I specialize in counseling. Uh, I really feel that one of the reasons I specialize in that is it's really the centerpiece. Um, as I mentioned earlier, building that narrative, really understanding who you are professionally and how you're going to present yourself um, and what you want to do is critical. Uh, you know, having that perfect resume and, and we can get you there. So go to Bryce Legal when you Google Bryce Legal and it's B-R-Y-C-E, legal, um, will obviously come up top. But even if you, you know, put counseling, career counseling for lawyers, we come up in the first few. Uh, I think that, you know, I've worked again with everyone who's had from some, I've actually worked with students before they go to law school, definitely with law students and new grads, but all the way up to, um, again, general counsel uh, yeah. at big firms or, or big corporations. And it is important to put in as much time and preparation you can. So when you are interviewing for jobs, when you're sending your materials out, uh, you feel very good about them. You know who you are. You know what you're about. You know yeah. why you're interested in this kind of law. You know how you're going to add value. Um, I think the point that that you guys made is so important is knowing your value. Um, yeah. You add value. And not just because you write uh, a great motion or do some great legal research, but because uh, you're going to add to the the overall spirit of the firm, because you're going to bring some new ideas maybe, and you're going to uh, be hardworking. You're going to be nice to, to be with. So, yeah. so much goes into it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This was a pleasure. Wow. I feel very calm now now that I like know what to do to get a job and like all the ins and outs of I mean she just had a lot of great knowledge to share especially her networking tips and like what kind of questions to ask I think you guys are definitely going to find this episode valuable so send it to your friends if you thought it was I think um everyone needs to hear all of her great advice absolutely and it's super helpful for anyone out there who is so focused on grades and making good grades that maybe you forgot to network or maybe not even that. Maybe you just didn't want to network because you're introverted. I totally get it. And now you know where to go from here. And even if you're a 1L and you're like, I don't know what I am. And in two years, you're going to find out. And this is definitely an episode, like Samantha said, for you to send to your friends that might be a little older than you in law school and to save for yourself for what you want to do and just a better position going forward to know what you want to do when you graduate. Yeah, I think that if you are a 1L or even a pre-law student, this kind of information, if you start thinking about it now, you know, like what you want out of a career, like it'll make your experience in law school and job finding and internship finding so much easier because you'll have a vision, you'll have something to like work towards. So you know, it's never too early to start thinking about your career goals after law school. All right, guys. Well, like we said, follow up with JB if you have follow-up questions or if you just want to hear more of her expertise tailored to your 
story. You guys can reach out to her through Bryce Legal and she's a career legal coach. So that's her job. So we encourage you guys to reach out to her and have her help you in your next steps. And as always, all of her links will be in the show notes. And while you're down in the show notes, make sure to click on our Instagram link and follow us and join our Facebook group. I know a few episodes ago, we were asking you guys, like, join our Facebook group so you can get to 2,000. Well, guys, we're almost at 2.5K. I I feel we're saying that to, like, 2,500 members, um, and that's really awesome. And just a little PSA, if you are going to join the group, please make sure to agree to the group rules because a lot of people don't, and there's we don't accept anybody if you don't agree to the group rules just because we want to make sure that everyone is there for the right reasons and we want to make sure everyone is being held accountable absolutely all right guys well you know where to find us if you want to chat more email us dm us personal or on ladies who law school and we will talk to you again next week bye bye